TGIM, Timari. This is episode 301. The sobriety muscles, they just like start to kick in and you're starting to make those decisions and like it becomes easier to say those things and take action on like what you truly want to do. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Odette Kressler. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Alex. Alex took her last drink on April 25th, 2020. She is from Indianapolis and she is 28 years old. And guys, don't forget that if you are looking to stock up on delicious non-alcoholic beverages for the holidays, you can always use our discount code and try the latest products by Groovy. I personally can't wait to put my order in for their new 0% alcohol sparkling rosé. Make sure you use the promo code RECOVERYELEVATOR at checkout to get 15% off on your order. Alrighty, let's work on finding your better you. It's Thanksgiving week here in Los Estados Unidos, and I personally feel like from here on out, most of us have a full agenda. Although it's a bit wobbly due to COVID, with the holidays and the race to the end of the year, it's going to feel quick. It's going to feel busy. That's just my hypothesis. I find this time of year to be closely linked to the fuck it mentality. Here's when we think that we can put all of our intentions and goals on hold, cruise through the end of the year, and then recommit when the new year starts. Last week, we had Pablo as a guest on the show. And if you haven't tuned in, by the way, listen, it was our 300th episode. 300th. Do you add a TH in the end? 300. It was our, it was episode number 300. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) It was episode number 300 and he had a great intro on finding your power stance. So anyway, we had Paul on the show. He talked about how this year has felt like a shaken snow globe on repeat. And I agree. Everything has happened. Politics, pandemic, social justice movements, no hugs allowed, all plans are canceled, school is canceled, borders are closed, all of that layered on top of our lives, our day-to-day struggles, and our personalized challenges. This year is the year that we all want to skip. We want to tap out. We want relief. We want it to end. So what a perfect setup for all of us to just say F it right now. But here's the thing. We can either make this year meaningless or make this year meaningful. This year can mean nothing or it can mean everything. Here is where the difference between pain and suffering can come into play. How many extra layers of suffering are you going to add to this already painful year? This is when we need to take our power back and run to the finish line, even though it feels like we are running on an empty tank since like 20 miles ago. This is where you stop and say yes to that disgusting cherry vanilla flavored energy goo, chug the shit out of it, and keep going. My daughter fell off a treehouse a few weeks ago. It was a six feet fall. I heard the thump when she fell and my heart skipped a beat. I looked over and saw her little body on the floor, her face confused from what had just happened. After a rushed visit to urgent care, we were grateful to find that there were no broken bones, no concussions, and no stitches required. 
Her knee was very swollen, though, and the doctor told me that it would take her some time to regain confidence in walking and putting her weight on the knee. Sienna, my daughter, is tall and slim. She's a very dainty looking girl. Watching her be in physical pain broke my heart. Parents out there, I know you get it. Anyway, I'm getting to the point of my story. The days following the fall, I saw a few things happen. She let herself rest. She asked for help. I mean, I had to carry her to the bathroom every time she needed to go. I had to carry her to the car, everything. I got my good arm workout in. She shared frustration. She kept asking me, why did I fall? I don't understand why I fell, mom. Help me understand why did I fall? She binge watched Netflix while I was on a bazillion Zoom calls as we had a big online event to plan, aka regionals. And she slowly gained strength. She wasn't focused on the future. She wasn't focused on whether or not she'd be limping for Halloween. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about what costume I can pull off where she can be sitting in some sort of push cart. She wasn't overanalyzing things and she wasn't saying, well, F it. I'd rather forget about walking. Let this marathon to 2021 be a time where you may adjust your stride, yet you don't quit the race. Stay the course on your sobriety. Hold on to others that are in the race with you. Find your favorite playlist and blast it as loud as you can through your headphones. Tell those blistered feet that this too shall pass. Smile. Look around. There are people waiting to high five you everywhere. Visualize yourself crossing the finish line. If it happens in your mind, it can happen in real life. Trust me. I'll see you at the finish line, Timari. That's always my favorite part. For a moment, the exhaustion disappears and you realize that you were strong all along. More importantly, you gain energy to do it all over again. All right, amigos. Eso es todo. That's it for today. And before we hear from Alex, let's hear from my favorite resource on this journey, Cafe Ari. When departing from alcohol, here are the two main keys to success. You need a supportive, loving community, and you have to create accountability with others who have the same goal in mind. Whether you want to ditch the booze for a month, a year, or are simply sober curious, you'll get both of these in Cafe RE. These groups are unsearchable on Facebook. Who is in the group and what is said can only be seen by members. You get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to live an alcohol-free life. These groups are capped at under 400 members to ensure quality connection. In Cafe RE, you'll find that quitting drinking can be fun. For $19 a month, you get access to the community, get paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, online discussions, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and more. You'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. 15% of monthly fees goes towards our service project where we work with a nonprofit helping those who have been affected by addiction. And another portion goes to the in-person meetups. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code opportunity to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code opportunity to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Alex, how are you? Hi there. Um, I'm doing pretty great. The sun is shining in Denver, so cannot complain today. How are you? I'm really excited to chat with you. I was looking forward to this all day. So thank you so much for taking the time in your day as well. 
Me too. I'm so excited to be here. I cannot express that enough. And let's get right to it. Alex, when was the last time you had a drink? It was April 25th of this year. So 2020, the the big year. (laughs) Right in the middle of COVID too, like a month after kind of like shit hit the fan. How was that like making that decision in the middle of all the craziness? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it was definitely the best decision for me. Um, I like to in quote say I was on a pretty good streak up until then. Um, But unfortunately, COVID got to me in a lot of ways. But I was really proud of myself for making that decision and kind of recognizing that maybe I shouldn't attend a Zoom happy hour and I should go on a walk instead. So um, yeah, I'm really glad I made the decision and it's really made the last couple of months a lot clearer. And that's what I was hoping for. Yay, super proud of you. And can you give listeners a little background? Can you let us know? I know you say you said you're in Denver, and I know you live there. But can you let us know where you're from? Do you have a family? What are your hobbies? What do you do for a living? And what do you like to do for fun? Yeah, so long story short, I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I just moved to Denver in October. So it's been a great change. I kind of moved here right when COVID hit. But luckily, I have the mountains. And I'd say, That is my biggest source of fun. I love hiking. I love running out in them. I just started a mountain bike, but I crashed. Um, Anyway, (laughs) so that's kind of my miniature background. Um, I don't have a family. I have a fantastic roommate and uh, her dog that I spend a lot of time with now that we're at home. A few other fun things I like to do. I mean, just lots of walking. I'm the designated ice cream friend, which is like the biggest compliment that I could ever ask for. But those are kind of my main my main hobbies. And being in Colorado was a personal goal of mine. So I'm really happy that I'm here. All right. So designated <laughs> ice cream friend. <laughs> You knew I was you knew I was going to stop you and comment on the designated ice cream friend thing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like now we just need t-shirts with the recovery elevator logo and like designated ice cream friend. So I'm going to need you to allow me to do that and use this idea. (laughs) Honestly, I would be like first in line to buy one of those and I would wear it daily. Um, Ice cream is and (laughs) it sounds so silly. Ice cream is my jam. Like I've tried to cut it down to only once a week, but um, prior to like right when I stopped drinking, it was like, all right, this is a way better option for me. And yeah, <laughs> that's yes. all. I have to say life's, about it. <laughs> life's too short to not have ice cream friends. So just stay tuned. We may or may not have a swag uh, new tab on the website with ice cream merch. So anyway, give yes. listeners some background, Alex, on your history with drinking. When did you start? When did you realize alcohol wasn't serving your goals? And just tell me about your story. Yeah, so I didn't always, I always kind of looked at my story. And I was like, one of those people who said I didn't drink daily. So there was no issue. But I realized soon after that, that I couldn't necessarily moderate when I did drink. So after college, I made the move to Chicago, where I found myself at like, brunches and happy hours. And I just thought that was the norm until I would wake up with just constant anxiety and, and not necessarily remembering my entire night or knowing how much I drank. And so I left Chicago thinking that, you know, maybe if I move back home to Indiana, that things might change, but they didn't. 
I always forget what you guys call it on the podcast, but that relocation. Yeah, the geo- geographical yeah. cure. <laughs> yep, the geographical cure, you know, didn't work for me. And I think that as soon as I got back to Indiana, I'd been there for about six months, I started listening to this podcast. So that's when it that's when it hit me that I needed to make some changes in my life. And I always kept saying like, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't do this. I don't do that. But I started to make rules and I would kind of say like, oh, only one beer, that, like one beer, like, oh, I'm only going to drink tequila. And it's like, what in the world <laughs> was I thinking that like those things were going to work for me? So my relationship just kind of was a lot of going out with friends. And I was always the one that woke up asking, you know, what did I do last night or trying to get the full story from my friends. And I would kind of nod my head and say like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that when no, that was completely false. And so I kind of started exploring the option of no alcohol. So I would have a few stints like a month here and there. And then I'd trick myself and say, oh, I'm good to go. But after doing that for a couple of years, I started to look at it as my own personal relationship with alcohol and not like, you know, the social settings and like, what was I going to miss out on? And that's really why I've kind of gotten to this point where we're going to take a healthier approach to realizing that my life can be better. I'm uh, not necessarily not losing anything. So that kind of sums up my, my drinking life, <laughs> you know, just lots of not remembering nights. And, and I think that that was what stopped me um, this final time. I, I didn't want to forget anything anymore. There's too many good things to remember. I, I totally agree. And I always like saying, and I probably sound like a broken record because I say this often, but we can't just we can't just eliminate the bad parts or the memories that we don't mm-hmm. want to deal with. We have to take accountability for eliminating also the good when we use alcohol to cope. So it's it's mm-hmm. a decision to enter life fully. And I do have yeah. some questions because you earlier when we were saying hi to each other, I said you were an OG listener because you've been listening <laughs> to Paul for a very long time, probably very close to when he started. So mm-hmm. what drew you to start listening if you had these, like you said, maybe it was like, oh, I'm just going to do this for a month or throughout, throughout all of your rule making. Like, was there just something in the back of your mind that told you like look up recovery or how did you even stumble upon the podcast because that was a while ago and your yeah your date is fairly recent still so talk Mm -hmm. to me about that like process inside of your brain yeah I I honestly don't remember what I typed into you know the search bar within my apple podcast but I remember thinking there is no one right now that I feel comfortable talking to about this. And there has to be something out there that will, that I can connect with. And I started listening to the podcast and I remember there was someone at the time who might've been 28 years old and I'm 28 years old now. And, and prior to that, I I don't remember if I was 24 or 23 when I started to listen and I was like, okay, like, that's my goal. By the time I'm 28, like I will quit drinking alcohol. And and here we are, I'm 28. But I just remember it being I admired that individual. So I actually listened to that podcast over and over and over again, because I finally felt understood. And so I think that's why I started to seek it out. I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, you know, things fluctuated. And I definitely have a more recent, like sobriety date. But I think it's because I finally 
looked at it like holistically rather than just like getting super angry at the alcohol. I decided that, you know, let's like look at our whole life and say like, okay, I'm not gonna be mad at this one thing. I'm going to start like appreciating all of these larger things. And like, that means that I need to eliminate this from my life. I, I don't know if that necessarily makes sense, but that's kind of like what the podcast did for me. <laughs> that's kind of long winded answer. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's instead of adding resistance, it's almost like you mm -hmm. decided to step into acceptance and and yeah. see your life from a different lens. And I really want to mm -hmm. speak on this example that you shared about listening to someone on the podcast where you you saw yourself, the 28-year-old, mm -hmm. and you were like, that that could be me. And I feel like you are being that person for somebody else now. So this is just the importance of sharing our stories and the importance of showing up because I guarantee you that person on that episode had no idea that you would mention them <laughs> years later, right? So yeah. it's just so awesome how we just connect in that way and we're just part mm -hmm. of somebody else's journey even though that person may never know so it's just really neat to see it come full circle and now have you on the show so that's awesome yeah it's been yeah it's been quite the journey and I think that the one thing with listening to the podcast regularly and then kind of branching out and actually sharing my story is that like the more and more I and quote like quit the more and more and I know you guys talk about this constantly is like the more and more tools that I I started to put in my tool belt and like I acquired so many different resources and so many different um you know I connected with so many different people that finally this you know this time around and other times around where I felt super confident about this decision it was like there's that accountability like these are all the resources that I have and it has made such a difference you know in this in this choice what has worked for you, Alex? What tools work for you? And what what have you focused on in the last couple months to stay sober? Yeah, I'd say my biggest thing is about two years ago, and even more so now is I walk every single day, like I walk for at least I'd say two hours, minimum every day I walk in the morning and the afternoon. And that has been so therapeutic for me. I, I used to look at walking as kind of, it was a chore and it was not enjoyable. And now I think when we slow down and we look around at everything that there is around us, incorporating meditation, sometimes I talk to my mother, it is really enjoyable for me. And when I feel as though maybe I want to drink or I get anxious or I have some sort of craving. It's like, all right, let's go walk. And if you still feel that way at the end of your walk, then all right, then we can think about it a little bit longer. But I mean, walking has been my biggest tool and I recommend it to every single person. It's so simple, but it is so incredibly helpful. Movement, that movement really yes. changes our state. And I do feel like we're able to ride out that wave of that craving. So that is a great tool. Thanks for sharing that. And then yeah, what else has worked for you other than listening to the podcast, walking? Do you have like, does everybody know you're sober around in your life? Or tell me a little bit about that piece. Yeah, so I would say it's taken me a long time to pretty much tell everyone in my life or talk about it comfortably. So yeah, everybody, everybody knows now. <laughs> and, but it took a long time. I remember just like whispering to a few people. It took me years to tell my mom and dad about my decision. And they kind of laughed. They were like, Oh, we thought that might be a good idea for you too. And I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm glad that you guys are on board. But other ways that I kind of hold myself accountable, um, 
a couple months, maybe like two months ago, there's an account on Instagram that I follow called a thousand hours dry. And they just kind of support like the sober curious and sort of movement, um, as well as people who kind of choose to be alcohol free and they needed an additional host. And I was laying in bed looking at my phone and I was like, I'll do that. And I had, I felt like I had nothing to say. I had nothing to contribute, but you know, surrounding myself in that community has been really helpful as well. Um, because that made me put myself out there. I didn't really have a choice, my own decision, but you know, it was kind of like, all right, like, let's just go for it. And it's made my life a lot better to be completely open about what I'm going through, what my thoughts are around it. And yeah, I'm really grateful for that outlet. Yeah, community is everything. We at um, Mm -hmm. Recovery Elevator and Cafe RE, we have, I mean, now even AA meetings are virtual for some people, but we have these, we have these webinars almost every day and we have different themes and different topics. And the other day we were talking about, about the importance of community and how for many of Mm -hmm. us, a lot of these people that we connect with are somewhere else. Like they're not people in our lives. They're people either on social media or people on Facebook and we make new friends and how (laughs) we dig ourselves this hole of accountability because I just remember initially (laughs) when I started this journey, I think I was a couple of months in and I had my fair share of day ones, but I just remember being like, okay, I really want to drink, but now, shoot, I really like Trisha. What am I going to do? And I really yeah. like Paul. And I really like Chris. Oh, my God, what do I need to do? Because I could delete my Facebook account. I could delete my Instagram. Mm-hmm. I can start a new, fa- in my mind, I'm like, I can start a new <laughs> Facebook account and just at the people that I know in person. And I could just yeah. block these people from my phone. And then I was like, Odette, like, hey, what? You're so crazy. Like, my brain is so crazy. Sometimes you don't, do have, to, you don't have to believe everything that you think, A, B, like, newsflash you actually love these people and you want to keep them in your life so what do you do to Mm -hmm. keep them in your life you have to stay the course like if you want to keep these people and you want to continue to be a part of this thing that makes you feel so good well you have to stay you you deserve to have this level of love around you and accountability and support because for so many people it's so strange like wait how Mm -hmm. are all these people rooting for me how how does everybody have so much love to give and like I'm like that should be normal for everybody like having this beautiful support system and it exists and it's out there and a lot of the times it's just not walking away from from the good that we all deserve sometimes we just don't think we deserve that like our, our subconscious is so jacked up Mm-hmm. It's that act of receiving. And I, I really struggle with receiving the love, you know, the acknowledgement in any aspect of my life. And I think this specifically ties, ties to it. You know, when people started being supportive, I was almost confused. <laughs> I was like, wait, you truly support me on this journey. And like, I had, I have friends who will get me alternative like drinks at the party that I go to. And it's like, wow, like, you truly support you know, my journey, like, thank you for all the LaCroix. Thank you for like the pretend, like the mocktail, like, wow. Like I, I know those are such tiny gestures, but to me, it it really says a lot about the community that I've surrounded myself who chooses not to be alcohol free. And then I have the ones who, you know, are right there with me. And I am so incredibly grateful for all those people. So yeah, (laughs) I'm with you on all of that. What's your worst memory from drinking? Like, what was something one morning when you woke up and you were like, oh, my goodness? Oh, 
And the funny thing is there's like seven things that come to mind, but I I was kind of, I was thinking about this the other day and I got into a bike accident. I'd say it was like two, two summers ago and I had woken up, you know, the night before I went out, was out on the town. I woke up and I had no clue how I got home. And I just sat there and I was like, all right, the, the anxiety is kind of starting to kick in, but let's start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And so what I did in order to cope with that is I took myself to brunch but alone, you know, and started reading. It was like Henry David Thoreau. I felt super snazzy. I was like, oh, what a what a nice morning. I'll order, I'll order a drink. And, and I did. And it was nine o'clock in the morning. So granted, I'm having the anxiety. I'm having a beautiful solo morning. But it resulted in me drinking again. And I rode my bike after making some friends at the table next to me. And we all ended up drinking together. I didn't know these people. And I think that that was one of the things that drinking got me into is like situations that I don't think I actually would have chosen to be in. (laughs) So I rode my bike and got into a bike accident and ended up breaking my wrist and getting a concussion and all that jazz. And it's like, that was my worst memory because I woke up in it and I was anxious and then I chose to do it again. I'd say that's the story that I hold like the most shame around. I've been a little bit more vocal about it recently because I got into another bike accident <laughs> like mm-hmm. three weeks ago and I feel great. I, I, you know, I didn't have the anxiety from drinking. It was more so like, wow, you have to sit with your feelings right now. But yeah, that is by far it's a long-winded story, but definitely one of the most difficult times that I had with alcohol. I'm really glad to hear that you're back on your bike and kind of rewriting (laughs) those memories that you have. It's so important to build those new circuits in our brain where we're like, wait, we don't do that anymore. Like we still fall, we Mm -hmm. still do what we like doing, but we don't respond in the same way. And like you said, we don't cope in the same way. So you're really working at those like sober muscles when you're retraining your brain in a way and at the same Mm -hmm. time it just really makes me happy to hear that you're doing things that you still like because a lot of people I mean you're so young Alex but a lot of us don't even know what we like and what we don't like when we quit drinking because we're like oh my god who was I you know and it seems Mm -hmm. like the fact that you're out there in Denver and you're able to connect with nature and have your hobbies that is so good that makes me really happy because you have a great life and now you can be fully (laughs) present for it. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that was like, do I want to miss out on my life? Do I want to miss out on these experiences? And even post-college, I had someone come up to me and they were like, oh, you were the party girl. And I was like, I don't want that identity. (laughs) I I totally want to rid myself from being that individual. I want to be the fun and the inspirational and like the friend to connect with. And I think that at some point when I heard those words, it was like, all right, we're going to, we're going to flip the script and we're going to make some changes here so that like you can remember your life. (laughs) You can have meaningful connections. And and that's definitely what I was looking for. So thank you. That means a lot. What's your go-to response when someone offers you a drink? I, I haven't had that happen in a while because I've been so vocal about my decision not to drink. Um, but typically I just say, no, thank you. I have my own drink. And, and that's usually what I say. <laughs> it's funny. There's, I, I like talking about this with young people specifically mm-hmm. because I guess we all turn into like a little bit insecure, you, no matter the age. I've realized there's yeah. a lot of anxiety around social settings and like, what am I going to say? And what are people going to say? Yeah. And it 
it really is like you said your parents like yes like we fully support mm-hmm. this a lot of the times is that a lot of the times mm-hmm. people don't even notice right they don't even care yeah yeah normally what what do you normally say do you say the same thing are people pretty like aware of your decision yeah I'm like a big which <laughs> didn't work in my favor because i blasted out to the internet that I was trying not to drink and then I went back to drinking so I'm sure I was at multiple parties where people were giving me the evil eye of like what are you doing right now (laughs) but ultimately ultimately now people I have friends most of my like friends that I hang out with know so they always have something ready for me like you mentioned or I just if it's a new setting I just say no thanks or I'll have a soda water or I don't drink and Mm -hmm. it's as simple as that yeah, I think it just takes time. And it's it's like we were just chatting about like relearning all of your old experiences and like, all right, I'm I'm grabbing this drink out of the cooler and it's my LaCroix or I'm grabbing this. And, and I think that like over time, like you said, those muscles, they just the sobriety muscles, they just like start to kick in and you're starting to make those decisions and like it becomes easier to say those things and take action on like what you truly want to do. Yeah, totally. And tell me, Alex, over the years of listening to other people on the podcast and just exposing yourself to other stories and kind of the same questions that you hear as asking people over and over again, did you have you gotten to the bottom of like why you chose to drink like and why you chose it as a coping mechanism? Yeah, everyone asks me this question. Like my friends are like, why? Why do you choose not to? Um, And I say the reason for drinking was I was kind of lonely and I was seeking some sort of validation. I don't know what I wanted from that. I didn't know what I wanted people to say to me, but I remember feeling like, all right, if I drink, I'm going to be more likable and people will want to interact with me. And then that will validate my need and desire to create some sort of connection with others when ultimately that that connection ended up being a little bit more empty. And so I've kind of boiled it down to seeking validation. And that is why I drank. And I think, you know, to be honest, that's part of the reason why giving up was so hard was because I am going to make people uncomfortable. And I'm no longer appeasing a lot of the individuals in my life who don't necessarily love my choice not to drink. And so it's learning to say like, it's okay not to be liked because I will find the people that do like me and want to be around me without alcohol. Yeah. And in a way that's so linked to perfectionism, like I'm definitely Mm -hmm. a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) And I feel like a lot of my progress made there is directly linked to me letting go of perfection because I now Mm -hmm. fully understand and accept that like not only are people not going to like me, but that's totally Mm -hmm. normal. Like it would be weird. I would, if everyone likes, yeah, (laughs) they're there. You can't you. Right. And, and I always like saying when you say no to somebody else or something else, many of the times you're saying yes to yourself. So it also is super linked to, self-love and how much you value Mm -hmm. yourself and how you put yourself your own opinion in front of anybody's opinion which ultimately the world is kind of set up in an opposite way it definitely is and I have two I have two comments and one is I think there should be another t-shirt that is recovering people pleaser I feel like that was like the most perfect like that is how I feel recovering people pleaser (laughs) um and then when it comes to 
you know, disappointing others in order to make sure you're happy. There's a great passage in Untamed. Have you read that by Glennon Doyle? Obsessed. One day we will have her on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Mark my words. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, I will be waiting because I would listen to that episode every single day. But I mean, she she does talk about that. Like you have you're going to have to disappoint so many other people in order to not disappoint yourself. Um, that just sits with me. And I think about that constantly in my interactions, you know, daily just to say no, um, because I still struggle saying no to just something that I don't feel like doing. <laughs> it is hard. It's totally normal to feel uncomfortable. I feel like a lot of the times when we subscribe to this lifestyle and you're like, okay, I'm in, I'm not going to drink anymore. Mm -hmm. But then you, you see what all that entails outside of the loving support community and all the good stuff. I also like addressing that it's going to come with a lot of feelings. And a lot of the times those feelings are very mm -hmm. uncomfortable and you need to subscribe to that as well, because it's, you know, this like cliche phrase of like, outside of your comfort zone like it's not just a yeah. phrase it like literally feels uncomfortable it is literally outside of your comfort zone so you will have feelings when that happens but the mm -hmm. more you do it the more that becomes your comfort zone and then you can expand your comfort zone a little bit but you know you have to understand yeah. that like the only way out is through and you're yes. you're doing the thing of you're doing the hard thing also a very glennon doyle phrase of like we can do yes. hard <laughs> things and the rewards are amazing yeah, I have to say my copy of the book is like pretty much highlighted all the way through because there's so many things that resonate with me and especially we can do hard things and we can sit with these things and doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but it, it's very much so worth it. Do you feel like being so young and I know right now things are different due to COVID, but do you mm -hmm. do you ever have thoughts of like, I'm so young and like, drinking is such a big part of living for people this age like do you ever feel like a mm -hmm. disconnect between your decade and like kind of the lifestyle choices that you're making through sobriety yeah I I definitely would say that it is something that I was nervous about you know choosing the choosing to not drink I was really nervous I was like this is a social activity my my friends love to go to breweries my friends like to drink beer on the campfire I mean there's just so many parts of my life where alcohol is just ingrained. But at the same time, I, I had to reframe it for myself and say, all right, that means that I'm going to get X amount of years where my life will be different because I made this decision. I, I couldn't imagine 10 more years right now. I could not imagine 10 more years of drinking. I, I started having those moments where I was like, well, what if I get married and I don't remember my wedding? Or what if I have kids and I don't, you know, see, and I saw it happening to people that I, that I knew. And not to say that, like, I mean, everyone is on his or her own path. But for me, I just started seeing how often I wasn't remembering my own life. And I started to get even I, it's it was almost like a scare tactic. Like I was like, Oh, I don't want to forget these things that haven't happened yet. So that was kind of my soul. That was a big motivating piece for me was there's a lot that I have to live through. And it's like, how do I want how do I want to exist um, in all these important moments in my life? And you have no idea in our groups, how many older members are rooting on everyone that's young and joining and saying like, I wish I would have done this sooner, like way to go. And it gives me so much hope because I do feel like mm -hmm. 
we were just talking about it. I do feel like socially and culturally, it is kind of like a rite of passage. And I've said this Mm -hmm. on other episodes to just have this like wild life for a couple of years and, and like going all out like that doesn't equal living fully and i feel like there is this idea that's sold through like mm-hmm. big alcohol and and like targeted ads and and just like money makes the world go around and there's a lot yeah. of money around the alcohol industry so i i get it from a marketer standpoint but they're pitching something that isn't real and i really i really feel hopeful when i see young people catch on to that like no this isn't going to make me yeah. have a better time this is actually going to make me not even remember what time of, <laughs> what type of time i had like no i'm not going to remember <laughs> yeah i mean they do a really good job of making it look glamorous it is i mean brunch to me is a beautiful looking thing but it is not a beautiful thing when I'm laying on my couch at 4 p.m. So um, I think that like that you have to like really look at it for what it for what it is. It is hard though. <laughs> Definitely not easy to kind of hop out of that scene um, at this point in my life. So you're not going to regret it. it. You're not going to regret it. <laughs> Thank you. What has I feel been the same way? <laughs> yeah. What has been the hardest part of the last few months for you, Alex? Wow, I think. I think letting go of all the expectations that I had for the time um, that has passed. So, I, I mean, granted, I, I wasn't planning on drinking alcohol because in my mind, I always said, we're going to stop, we're going to stop. And so I think that I was already set up in my mind, like that will not be a part of COVID. I don't necessarily know which thing to reference right now. I'm like, should I reference the COVID? Should I reference the, uh, the drinking? Um, so let me kind of think about that one more time the most difficult part of the past few months. Yeah. I mean, just having different expectations and knowing that like not everything is going to work out perfectly. Um, that perfectionism sort of kicks in. It's like, I have to be willing to go with the flow. Um, and that's been really, it's honestly really hard. Um, I really thrive on structure and that was one of the things that really kept me going when I chose not to drink. It was like, okay, well that's great because I have this at this time and I have this at this time. And so now it's actually sitting with all the feelings, all of the, like everything that's going on in the world and just like actually being with it. It is so uncomfortable. (laughs) It is so uncomfortable. I also have always said that I thrive with structure, but I do feel like what a perfect time for everyone, not just people in recovery to kind of like knock out all of those personal myths that you had about yourself because ultimately Mm -hmm. we've all proven that we're so much stronger than we thought like if someone would have told us this is what your life is going to be in 2020 nobody would have guessed it and somehow here we all are making it work adjusting to however many zoom calls we have to take adjusting (laughs) to you know like what you're saying sitting with discomfort not dealing with Mm -hmm. as much structure not knowing like we're just in this collective setting of not knowing and I don't know what is more tense than that but somehow Mm -hmm. look at how resilient we've been through the whole process so yeah go us (laughs) yeah I know I love that look at how resilient we've been I think that is just the quote of 2020 like it's been hard but like we are we're still here we are still we're still doing it and I'm so like proud of everybody um especially so many people that I know in this community because it's not it's not an easy time so do you have some sort of 
routine that you've set up for yourself? I know there's not a lot of structure. We were just talking about that. But do you have any like few grounding practices or things that you are like, okay, I need to do these three things during the day to set myself up for success other than your walking? Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, okay, it's definitely the walking. But I think a few other things that I do are, I mean, making coffee is really therapeutic to me. I know that sounds pretty cheesy, but it's like the process of it is I've turned it into like a more mindful process. I don't know where I read this or who said it, but was like, really take your time making your coffee or making your tea and allowing yourself to be like, this is something that is going to be enjoyable to me. And so I've, I've tried to reframe my mindset out of like, I need to get this into my veins right away. It's like, okay, no, (laughs) this is an enjoyable sipping process. And this is the time where I kind of journal. Um, and I write down like, what I'm grateful for. I write down bad experiences. I write down positive experiences or even just like one thing that I've learned. Like if I'm resistant to journaling that day, I'm like, all right, just write down one thing that you've learned, even if it's, you know, you don't want to journal right now. So those are like two things, my coffee, my journaling, the walking. Those are three things that I definitely incorporate every single day to stay to stay sane. Um, and I also have a few go-to playlists on Spotify where I'm like, if I know I'm in a bad mood or a good mood, I'm like, all right, this is going to bring me joy. Um, and I automatically just go put them on, look at the sun and just kind of soak it up. And I'm like, all right, this music is going to bring me a lot of peace. Music is such a gift. I'm so grateful for music. (laughs) And I love that you shared uh, the coffee ritual because everything that we're going through, I think, is also a big wake up call for all of us to slow down and just be Mm -hmm. mindful of like little tasks. And it just always I'm thinking about Eckhart Tolle so much during this time period because he's talking about like throwing yourself into the task. Right. So if you're making coffee, Mm -hmm. you should just be making coffee. You should be smelling Mm -hmm. the coffee and and slowing down through the process and, and touching the warm mug against your skin and not thinking of like, okay, I'm behind on my email. And we're so disconnected from the thing that we're doing. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. such a good way to do meditation. Because a lot of the times I think a lot of people here are also like, well, how do I even meditate or on our Instagram? They're like, what is meditation anyways? And a lot of the times it's just bringing awareness to whatever it is that you're doing. That's enough of a meditation Mm -hmm. practice, just being present. So I feel like that's a great thing that you're doing every day and that we can just do wherever we are no matter how crazy the world is yeah (laughs) we can bring that peace to whatever moment we're in so I really like that you share that yeah I actually have one more thought in regard to kind of like the slowing down something for me and I I think so many people can also relate to this and probably do this is I really allow myself I know we talked about nature is just like looking at the trees, looking how they, how they, I always say how they dance. And and I think that that's an opportunity to slow down as well, or just like recognizing that like the, this blade of grass grew or this, this dandelion, like spent time, like putting it, like there's the roots that there's just so many like beautiful things that make us slow down. And I think, especially in this time where we're kind of being forced to do that is to like, kind of see all the parallels, um, in nature Um, And that helps me ground and like really find a lot of peace right now. Yeah. And you have quite a cool environment around you in Denver. I know Paul's in Colorado (laughs) right now and he's always sharing photos of him like camping and in nature and the mountains. (laughs) And I mean, I have the beach and I try to go as often Mm -hmm. as possible, but nature is such 
a nice tool. So I'm definitely happy that you have that in your backyard, basically. Yeah. And, you know, I'd love to have the ocean. That sounds pretty nice, too. (laughs) (laughs) You can always come visit, Alex. Mi casa es tu casa. Yes. Oh, yes. Next time I'm there, we we get some coffee, go on a walk. Oh, be lovely. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Alex, we've reached the rapid fire round. If you can answer these questions in 30 seconds or less, that would be fabulous. Are you ready? I think so. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) If you could talk to Alex on day one, what would you say to her? I would tell her that you deserve a life without alcohol. Yes, you're worth it. We're all worth it. Yep, for sure. (laughs) What are you excited about right now? What possibilities in your new life are you excited about? Ooh, I'm excited about a lot of things. I'm going to be getting my yoga certification, which is just so exciting to me. It's really helped me throughout this entire process. So I'd say that that's the one thing I'm really looking forward to right now. I can't wait to grow. I can't wait to meet some incredible people um, and just have the opportunity to like teach and also learn. So yeah, very thrilled. (laughs) Awesome. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Oh my goodness. That's really hard. I, okay. So my favorite, and I don't know if anyone will know it, but it's called Graham Central Station and it's like a graham cracker and chocolate ice cream. And it is fantastic. Who makes it? Ben and Jerry's? No, it's at a it's at a shop um, in Indiana, and every time I go home, I have to get some because I miss it so much. But besides that, I am a big fan of the cookie butter um, ice cream from Trader Joe's, so that's a little bit more accessible to everyone. Ah, uh, Trader Joe's, take my money, take all my money. I know, I know, <laughs> I can't help it. What is a light bulb moment you've had during this journey, Alex? Wow, this okay. I'll try to answer this one in thirty seconds. Um, Thanksgiving a couple years ago, I came home after going out on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and I was there and I was like, you know, I, do I need a drink? I feel terrible. And my aunt looked at me and she was like, you don't. And that stuck with me. <laughs> and I think about it so often because she was right. I, I didn't, I needed to just be, and I didn't need to break my heart again. I just, I just needed to be, and I need to sit through that feeling. What parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about ditching the booze? Ooh, I would say I promise that it's fun. Like I promise that your decision not to drink alcohol is going to be a lot more fun than if you continue on with it. There's a lot of joy to be found and it's not easy, but it is a great time. And I find myself really tapping into so many of the childlike things like running around and and in life is so much more fun without alcohol right now. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) We need to hear that. The audience needs to hear that. So thanks. (laughs) And before we depart, give listeners your own. You may have to say adios to booze if flying. (laughs) I love adios to booze. You might have to say adios to booze if you're only guaranteed to go to a wedding if there's an open bar. Well, That's- now you can go to any wedding, Alex, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that is my shameful, shameful comment. Anytime I would get an invite knowing that there wasn't one, I was like, well, how am I supposed to have a good time? And now I'm guaranteed to be on the dance floor regardless. I love it. Alex, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on the podcast. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, too. <laughs> Take care and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Very well, Team RE. That's a wrap. That's it for our interview today. And before I say adios, I want to give you a little challenge. Commit to finishing the race. 
commit to your sobriety in the next couple months. A good friend of mine taught me to flip an important question. Instead of wondering, what's the worst that can happen? What if we all start asking ourselves, what's the best that can happen? Thanks for that one, Michelle. I use it all the time. Remember that you're not alone and together is always better. Recovery Elevator, I believe in you. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you next Monday. Get out of the story. Get out of the story and use the mind to locate the body. Move the energy inside by talking, walking, and most importantly, trusting that the body already knows how to do so. We cannot fight a drinking problem or an addiction because it's trying to tell us something and we must listen. It's nudging us in a certain direction. Listen to the heart and follow your gut intuition. This will never mislead you. People often ask me, what's the one thing I can do? My response is always the same. Burn the ships. that always drive you to make the same decisions. It's these familiar decisions that always lead to the same actions. It's these familiar actions that always result in the same outcomes. It's these same outcomes that constantly result in the same emotions. It's these familiar emotions that give you those familiar feelings. And it's these feelings that always lead to the same thoughts, thereby completing the cycle. You can recognize this, you will be empowered to change your thinking.